from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, we're back this week with our third episode in our series on rural education during the pandemic. And I'm really excited for this one because we'll get to hear from some of the folks who are on the ground working through the realities of a rural public education sector that wasn't designed to quickly and effectively switch to a digital format and deftly handle the critically important education of our young people during the worst public health crisis in modern history. These people, of course, are our teachers and students. Now, most of us don't usually spend much time in our local schools. Even if you're a parent of a child attending one, you're usually not getting a first-hand view of what things are like inside the school on a day-to-day basis, especially these days when schools are limiting access as much as possible to keep the potential spread of COVID to a minimum. And that's why I think it's more important than ever that we hear from the folks who are inside these schools every day to get a sense of what this bizarre moment in history has been like for them. And I think this episode has special significance to me, too. I come from a family of public school teachers, and seeing them work through the pandemic, putting their students first, even if it means working ridiculous hours to record lectures and re-record them when the video didn't save, and still do in-person classes all week, well, it's inspiring. And I know this culture of putting students first isn't at all unique to my family. In doing the interviews this week, I often found myself feeling pretty emotional, because come hell or high water, these educators are doing whatever it takes to make a difference in students' lives. So today we're going to put a spotlight on the experiences of a couple of teachers and one incredibly introspective student here in the Catskills, and we're starting off in Fallsburg, New York. My name is um, Alyssa Wachter. I have been teaching at Fallsburg for nine years. Um, I am a special education teacher. Um, I've done a few different uh, subject areas, but my my main subject area is um, social studies because I have a degree in history. So um, that's where I've been for the last probably six years. That's got to be an interesting position to be in as someone who who is very knowledgeable about history and who teaches history to be experiencing a pandemic that I know the only other pandemic I ever learned about was in my social studies class in oh. in either middle school or high school where we talked about the 1918 pandemic. Yeah. Have you been able to kind of like weave this into the curriculum somehow? Well, um, in my classes, we're just getting to the 1900s. So yeah, um, I did though, you know, briefly mention to the students that they are making history. Like this is a, this is a historical, you know, thing that they're living. Um, But they are not the only ones that have lived through a pandemic or had to deal with um, situations in a pandemic. So they were, they were pretty excited about, I don't know. I don't know if excited is the right word, but they were pretty we're on, on key with that. Some of them actually went and looked it up and I, I had some feedback from it. So it was pretty, it was pretty cool. So I want to go back a little bit to last March. What was going through your mind in the first like week or two of March when the pandemic was suddenly going from this thing that was, you know, kind of maybe talked about on the news a little bit just a few weeks before to suddenly like taking center stage? Yeah. Um, you know, for myself, I, I don't really know that I was, you know, that, that I wasn't like paying attention closely. Um, but I don't really know that it was a big, it wasn't like a worrisome thing. I think, you know, we we were just doing what we did every day. You know, we were, we're coming to school. We were, we were doing our thing and, uh, it was just normal. In those last few days of school that, that that school was was open and normal was there a sense at all that you know this was going to be it for a little while 
I don't think so. I don't think any of us, I mean, I don't want to speak for my colleagues or people who, you know, but for me, I, I don't, I did not anticipate being out um, for as long as, as we've been out. I, I did not anticipate that. I anticipated it being something that was going to, um, you know, come, go, and we were going to resume normalcy. So what was it like then when, you know, everyone did kind of have to, you know, pack up and, and switch to this remote educational uh, experience uh, last spring for you? Uh, I think that it was challenging. Um, I think that it was definitely a lot of questions that no one knew the answers to because no one really could, you know, predict what was what was going to happen. But I will say that because of the support of, you know, colleagues, administration, um, everybody involved, that it was a smooth trans, like I was comfortable um, with the things that I that I had to do for my students and for my classes. I don't, you know, I don't ever remember being, you know, uncomfortable or being, you know, so worried that this isn't going to work and that this isn't, you know, I, I don't remember feeling like that. I, I always, you know, if I had a question, I always got an answer. Um, and, and even if that answer was, I can't, I can't, I can't answer that question right now, but let me get back to you. And then, you know, you would always get a response. It was, I felt comfortable. When you did go to that online format, you know, you're someone who's been teaching for nine years. I suspect, you know, at this point you kind of have a rhythm down with, you know, okay, this week, I know I'm going to be doing this this week. I know, you know, this is how we're going to do it. And I'm going to use these examples and whatnot. So switching to that online format, I can't imagine what that was like. Could you, you know, walk us through how you kind of dealt with that, with kind of building the plane, you know, while it's in the air already? So for me personally, I um, was, I was a Google Classroom user. So my students were very familiar. I used it in um, stations. I used it as reinforcement. Um, there would be assignments for students who were, um, you know, ahead of the game and would finish things ahead of my other students. So I always had something on there for them um, where they would go grab the computer, log in. So, and my whole, my first, not maybe not week, but my first couple of days of every class is getting my students into their Google Classroom, into their code, you know, the code. Um, so for me, I don't feel that it was a huge transition. I'm not saying there weren't challenges. There were definitely challenges. Um, you know, I didn't use it every day faithfully as, as a platform for instruction uh, like we are now. I will also tell you that our school had amazing um, professional developments in Google um, and Google Classroom prior to this, and I'm sure not expecting this at all, but they, through those trainings, I think that I was able to just pick up and, and go. Again, not without, you know, hiccups or challenges. Um, often I would have to take my materials that I had um, and, and revamp them to be digital. Um, that was probably my biggest challenge. And it wasn't a lot of them. A lot of my stuff I had already had digital, but it's those PDF documents and then transforming them. But, you know, as soon as it was realized that there were teachers out there that needed that support, we got it. Like we got programs that helped us to, to transition things from documents that couldn't be written on to documents that could be written on. So moving forward a little bit in the timeline here, last summer, can you just walk us through a little bit about what your your mindset was and your planning process this past summer to to prepare for the fall? And was it clear to you that we would be back to school in person, or was there some thought that you might still be doing now a full year worth of curriculum online? Right. So I actually taught summer school. 
Um, I actually taught summer school through the through the BOCES program, which services, you know, multiple districts. Um, and of course, it was online. It was all remote. Um, they had introduced a great program for us to use. And um, once I was in that program and I had the trainings and I was accustomed to it, I actually um, suggested it to our district tech person. And, you know, we, we do have it now. We have that program to utilize. So that was, you know, I think that was a growth experience. Um, I don't really believe that me, per, you know, myself personally, I think I was kind of conditioned to take one day at a time. Um, sure, there was hope that everything would go back to that normal, um, you know, that sense of normalcy. But I think it was like one day at a time because you you just don't know. Like in March, we didn't know that we wouldn't be going back until September. Um, you know, we left that Friday thinking that we would be back within a short amount of time and we ended up never going back. I think that you conditioned yourself, or at least I conditioned myself to be a one day at a time person living in a one day at a time situation. Starting in the fall, then what was the setup? And, and I guess what is still the setup that Fallsburg was and, and is using to, you know, make in-person instruction work? Um, so we, we stayed, the first quarter was was remote and then it was decided that it would be more beneficial to keep it uh in order to keep structure for the students to start within the second quarter rather than go within the middle of a quarter um so they had that opportunity to make the decision by the second quarter um and it was second quarter that students were able to then um either stay remote or um join hybrid so how are you and your students doing with the system now? I guess you would say you, you kind of get used to it. You know, it's not like <laughs> um, there are days that are challenging. There are days, um, but for the most part, you know, you're used to it and you just kind of deal with things as they come. Uh, I, you know, I, I still have fun. I still motivate my students. I still plan my lessons. Um, to be engaging, you know, I, I take that normal, plain old with lots of words on a document and I add fun, you know, colorful pictures. And, you know, I, I think the best thing about being digital is that I think you can make it even more engaging. You know, there's aspects to it where you can make it even more engaging for, for students, which is which is a plus in this time because, you know, there's just so many hurdles for them to tackle right now. I, I've heard from other teachers that they've had to like kind of pare down their lesson plans and whatnot. And, and they're, you know, not able to get to all the material that they'd normally get to. Um, it sounds like you've had a generally positive experience with doing remote learning. Have you still found that you've had to like cut down on your lesson plans and whatnot? You know, I think that, Pandemic aside, that's the life of a teacher. Like we are constantly rearranging our um, our materials and our curriculums. Um, you know, we we might discover a, a material and use it one year, and and it's not really something that's great, or it's something that didn't fit those particular students. So you throw it out and you get something new. So I think that. Yeah, I, I mean, I have had to rearrange my my stuff, but I do that every year, you know, um, maybe for different circumstances, obviously. <laughs> but I will say within the last couple of months, because I've had those experiences, I um, started putting links to things that I had to cut out that I that I wanted them to know. So I would put the link in and I would say, and if you want to know more about that, you know, here's a link you can click on and and look into it and then come back and share it with me tomorrow. Or and I've actually rearranged my do nows to be more of like a, a share session. Um, you know, so kids will come in and they'll I'll say, does anybody have anything to share about you know, what we talked about yesterday or, or the link that I posted. And um, 
I, I've had some success with that and I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. Is there anything else that you want to add about your experience as a teacher during this really unusual blip in history? You know, I, I don't want to make it sound like every day was rainbows and unicorns. Of course, we all had challenges, but um, I have to say, I am like, I am very impressed. I'm very proud of my students. I'm super proud of them because it's been hard, but I'm really proud of them. And they have actually carried me through a lot of this. Um, them showing up every day has made me want to show up every day and then doing their work and being proud and sending me an email. Like I did an Ed puzzle yesterday and I got a hundred on it. Did you see that? And meanwhile, it's like 10 o'clock at night. Of course I haven't seen it. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm in bed. I'm, I'm old. You know? <laughs> but just the fact that I wake up and I turn on my email because it's the first thing I put open up every day. And I see that makes me say, this is amazing, you know? So um, I know that it's, some people might think it's really twisted to say this, but I actually am, um, I think that I am appreciative of having to go through this in my career time. Because there are people who don't, can't say that. They can't say, I know what it's like to teach during a pandemic and have everything, you know, the world stop but I have to keep going because I'm an educator and that's what's important. I've got to say, I have a sincere admiration for Alyssa's resilience and positive attitude these days. She is taking a obviously difficult situation and running with it, using all of the resources she has access to to keep things engaging day after day for her students. But as she said, she's been teaching for nine years, and she definitely had a certain level of, of confidence in her ability as a teacher going into this pandemic. So how much different would her situation be if she was new to teaching? What would it be like to be thrown into this unusual educational environment having never taught one subject before. Well, to find out, I sat down with another educator here in the Catskills who is currently teaching her middle school class for the first time. She asked to remain anonymous for the program. I felt personally obviously scared, nervous. I mean, <laughs> It's not like they have a class in college that's called like, let's teach during a pandemic. <laughs> let's teach fully online. It's going to be great. Um, I mean, I feel like my biggest concern even now is just student equity. Um, I mean, it's unfortunate, but because we live in Sullivan County, not every student has access to adequate Wi-Fi. And because we have to stay, you know, distant from each other, um, my biggest fear was going into the school year for my kids was, okay, well, how are they going to do the work at home? Because right now our, our school just happens to be on a hybrid schedule. So my biggest concern is definitely like, so those kids that go home and don't have internet access, or there's only one computer in the household, um, you know, I just, you want to make sure that every single student has equal access to a fair education because they deserve that. So I think that that's really been the biggest challenge is just ensuring that my lessons and my planning are prepared enough or ready to um, meet the needs of those students who can only do that pen to paper work. So if you have a couple of students who don't have great internet connection or maybe don't have any broadband access at all, you know, generally, how do you go about handling uh, an issue like that? So teachers are really, we're really professional stealers, honestly. We're very good. I mean, we always teach anti-plagiarism, but like we're very good at taking other teachers' work in <laughs> our own. Um, so what I do is I typically go and I'll find things from other teachers or I will, um, we, my school has access to, um, it's PNW BOCES. So their curriculum that they have for like, 
I want to say it's kindergarten through eighth grade. So as a seventh grade teacher, I luckily have access to that. And that's like New York state approved materials. Um, And it's just a place to start. And really it's just taking that information and then figuring out how I can present it to the students in a way that all of them will have access to it. Um, So what I've started doing is, because we have our hybrid cohorts and then we also have fully remote students as well. So I was really concerned at first, I was like, okay, how am I going to tackle the fully remote students and make sure that they still have access to me teaching? So what I do is I uh, found this resource. My school uses it a lot. Um, I I use it at a previous school district I was working at and it's called Ed Puzzle. And what I do is I record myself teaching the lesson and then along the way, there's spots in the video that it stops that I set it up and I'm like, okay, answer this part in your notes, answer this multiple choice question. So they're still getting access to me in as if they're coming to class a couple days a week. I also provide everything to my students online. I think having our online platform has been extremely helpful this year. Um, As far as like the kids that don't have any internet access, I just think, okay, so this is what I did for my online kids. Now, if I were to put a pen to paper, what would that look like? And you just take it and you roll with it as best as you can. Now, is everything gonna be perfectly lined up? No but you try your best to just say, okay, so I have them, for example, like my in-class students this week are making a cute little poster. So how do I have my remote students have access to the same thing? So my kids in class, they can just, you know, handwrite it. I can provide the materials. My kids at home, I'm like, oh, well, they have like a PowerPoint or they can draw a picture and throw and take a picture of that picture and put it up online. Um, It's really just thinking about what you want as the end goal and then having both remote work as well as paperwork that is going to meet that goal. Have you had moments this year when you were like, you know, this is just, this is not what I trained for. (laughs) This is not what I ordered. I want my money back. (laughs) Um, Yeah, (laughs) of course. I mean, even in a normal year, I have that, but <laughs> this year, especially this year, I mean, it. there's no denying that teaching remotely or teaching hybrid or even coming to school five days a week, teaching is a challenging job regardless. I mean, I also take my job very seriously. I am helping students develop foundational skills that they are then going to take with them throughout the rest of their lives. If my kids leave this year knowing how to write a successful paragraph, I will have done my job. That's what I care about. Um, You know, like, yeah, it's challenging. And it's really just, I had to shift my mindset to, okay, so instead of being able to teach every single part of my curriculum, what skills do I really want my students to know this year? And we're taking it and we're dialing it way, way back. And just keeping it as simple as possible and as scaffolded as possible as much as we can. But there's definitely times where, you know, I go home and I'll, my fiance will be there and I'll be crying. I'll be like, I just don't know what to do next week. Um, You know, I want them to learn this skill, but I just don't know how I'm going to do it when I only have them two days a week. And I would love to do this activity, but I can't do this activity. And it's challenging. It is. But I mean, as a, I feel like, the benefit also of being a newer teacher is that I'm more adept to the technology. Um, you know, I grew up with it. I had to use it in my own collegiate experience and in my own high school experience. Um, but at the same time, I'm forming my own curriculum right now. Whereas for teachers that have been teaching for, you know, like 20, 30 years, they, I feel like had to, in a sense, make a challenging adjustment because I'm still perfecting my curriculum and making my curriculum the way I want it to be, whereas they've already had it down. And now there's a huge switch and they're using things that they haven't necessarily had to use before. So do you feel like that's an advantage for you? And also, do you feel like some of the, you know, digital and remote style of 
maybe not necessarily remote, but I guess specifically digital style of doing a lot of the classwork that traditionally teachers in the past would have just been doing everything hands-on in the classroom. Do you feel like you're going to be using that stuff post-pandemic? Absolutely. The stuff that you've been developing in your oh, yes, new curriculum? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I have, I mean, every student learns in a different way. Every single one. I have some kids that are super hands-on. I have some kids that need to be in the classroom five days a week. But I have some kids where they're remote and they're thriving right now. They are doing a fantastic job. And, you know, as a teacher in general, we're really focused on learning our students how they learn. So learning how they learn. And then adapting our curriculum and our materials and our skills that we teach to their learning as best as we can. And I mean, and in general, the way that education is going and the way that most schools want to go is in a more digital. So do you think that this kind of just sped up the inevitable in a sense? So, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I think that I definitely saw like us having like get going more towards like having our school be to the point where each student has at least access to a device and I think that it forces it forces us in a way that we have to think about education in a different way and we have to adapt and be resilient. And another good thing is that kids are resilient and for them to have like staff and people like teachers, people they look up to, um, to showcase that resilience as well. I think that it's beneficial to them and it kind of helps them connect with us in a different way as well. How are you feeling about the the safety situation being in school? I know that you don't have the students all the time, but it sounds like four days a week you are, you know, in a classroom with a bunch of people. Um, do you feel like everyone seems to be taking it seriously? Do you feel like, you know, you and your colleagues are seriously at risk and whatnot? So I know there's always a possibility but I mean, I still have to go to the grocery store and do stuff like that. And there's just as much of a possibility of me getting it there as there is of me getting it here. Um, our students are very good at wearing masks and at, we are required in our classrooms to maintain social distancing. My biggest class is 11, whereas in a normal teaching year, my biggest class is like 25. Hmm. So I'm able to have it where students are separated enough and they're comfortable. Um, you know, you always have like a couple of them that, I mean, you always have a couple students that argue with you anyway, but you know, you're always going to have a couple of them that try to push the envelope a little bit, but I, even just like by talking to them, they recognize that it's serious and they recognize that, that this is not normal. And, you know, obviously like there's still you know, there's moments where, you know, somebody like a positive case pops up and then the contact tracing is done and then everything. And there are those moments where you're nervous, but I still do in general feel safe. I mean, our kids come in, they are, they have access to as much sanitizer as washing their hands as much as they want to. Um, we bleach our desks with, well, it's not like straight bleach, but it's like a solution um, after every single use. And make sure that kids at least are touching, like, you know, clean surfaces. Um, we have access to gloves. We have access to extra masks just in case somebody, you know, starts chewing on one or <laughs> 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 it happens. Um, or, uh, you know, like something breaks or whatever. So I, I think that, you know, overall, we've been doing a really good job at maintaining that, you know, clean standard and at enforcing that our kids follow that as well. And I mean, I know at least like in this middle school hallway that I'm in, um, every single teacher is wearing a mask all day long and it's challenging, but we do it. And leading by example is huge, especially with my lovely little 12 year olds. Do you mind if I ask if you've received your vaccine? Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I was able to receive my first one. I'm going for my second one in like a week or two. That's so exciting. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest experience. It definitely like affected my body in a way that I wasn't anticipating. Hmm. Um, just like 
I've never had, like, usually I've gotten flu shots and, you know, regular shots before, and I've never had like a swollen arm, which I did with this one or like fever or chills or anything like that. Like I did with this one, but you know, I know ultimately like it's for my safety, but even more importantly, it's for the safety of my kids and for their families that they go home to. I think it's important to recognize any teacher during this time. We're all struggling in different ways. Some of us more ways than one. And I understand it's easy for us to just like try to play the blame game or in some cases, but it's important to recognize that we're all in this together and we all are in the same boat and that we should just, you know, be kind and be there for each other as best as we can. I feel like it's important to mention here that the two teachers we've had a chance to hear from today aren't representative of every teacher's experience throughout rural America, and not even here in Sullivan County, New York. Obviously, everyone has their own unique struggles amidst these strange times. That said, both teachers we heard from today, who are at different points in their careers, working in different districts, are adapting and taking these unusual circumstances in stride. Like our other neighbors who are working on the front lines, we owe them a debt of gratitude. Now, today's episode wouldn't be complete without having a conversation with someone who's on the other side of the teaching equation, a student. I think you'll find this particular student to be incredibly well-spoken, so I will leave the introductions to her. I'm Jessica Schwab. Uh, I'm a senior at Sullivan West, and uh, my favorite color is blue. Excellent. Mine too. Really? (laughs) So if it's okay with you, I'd like to start off just by asking, like, how are you holding up? Like, how how are you doing? How is everything going? Yeah, um, I think I'm doing well. And I think living in, in such a small town, yes, it does feel isolated, but it also provides a I guess, a sense of stability because there's not too many variables at play here. You know, you go to school, you come home, you go to your job, if you have a job. And it's like, those things are very stable. So it's like, that sort of keeps you going, that sort of stability. Although there's not many opportunities for like kids to go out and do things, and especially now, but it's sort of nice. I think I've come to appreciate how in this small town where, yeah, maybe limited resources, it, it does give you that, it, something to anchor to, I think. And also, I think I've come to appreciate those factors in my life, whereas before is like, you overlook them, you're, you're looking for something more exciting than just school and work and family time, downtime. But now when these are the things that are the only active parts of your life, really, when you think about it, it's like you sort of come to appreciate that sense of being at work or being at school because it's only two days a week and these this is the only time you get to see your friends really and and the only time you get to see your teachers and really interact with them. So it it does uh, produce like a sense a greater sense of um, gratitude for for what you have, although it's limited still is something you know. So. Going back to last March, what was it like for you when COVID hit? Did it feel to you like it came out of the blue? Had you, did you feel like you sort of knew something was coming from seeing news or, or what was it like? So I just remember in health class, uh, we were talking about how there's this emerging virus in China and we're all sort of freaked out. I mean, not, I wouldn't say freaked out. Actually, we're, we're alarmed. Definitely. And we are sort of like, mm, that's sort of weird. You don't typically hear of that. Um, and then, you know, it starts growing. And then some of my friends who are in, uh, I don't know, like private school in some other states, they were telling me how they had 15 minutes to pack up all their stuff or however long and, and go because the whole dormitory was like just shutting down and they had to move back and whatever. And I was like, well, that's really weird. And then my brother, he at the time went to Albany and 
he got a call or got the notification that he was coming home for a month. And I was like, what? Like, is this really, it felt like the metaphorical house, the ceilings and walls were like actually starting to, you could see like the cracks and it was all starting to like cave in. And I was like, oh, this is real. Like, this is a big deal right now. What we just heard about. And I actually remember uh, looking at my phone and seeing like some BBC notification, like a hundred people now infected in Wuhan with new strain of uh, COVID virus or whatever. And I was like, that's that's terrible like that that's happening i was like ah but that's that's in china i'm in america i'm in new york it's like oh my god because it's that feeling where if it's not happening in your backyard doesn't really affect you and now it is in your backyard and now it has upended your entire life and changed your the course of your future and everyone's future and yeah so once it like once late uh march or it was like mid-March when my brother got the call that he was coming home. And then a couple days after that, or maybe like a week after that, we were supposed to put on our Shrek musical and we had prepared and prepared. Oh my gosh. Grueling practices. You know, you know, the deal. Were and, you in the musical? Um, I was in the pit band. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't go on stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we were supposed to have that. And then that was canceled. Then we were like, all right, like that sucks. We'll probably just have it next week, like the next weekend. No, we're, we get a call. We're closed till April 20th or where, whatever it was. And I was like, oh my God, like this, this is in my backyard. Like this is in my kitchen, even closer. So yeah, once, once that call came, it was like reality, like slapped me in the face. And I was like, I could be in this environment for, the next three months of school and who knows about next year. And yeah. Do you remember the last day that you were in school last spring? Uh, I actually do. Um, it was, I was like walking around with uh, my friend. She was like having some guy trouble. And so I was like talking to her and we were walking throughout the school and I, <laughs> Funny story. I never like checked into my study hall, like my ninth period study hall. And so like I got in trouble. And then I remember like hanging out um, with my one friend, like we went to the uh, some coffee shop afterwards. And we were just talking about how, like, what do you think is going to happen? Like with this COVID thing? Like, what is what even is this? We didn't even know. And, you know, sort of clueless. And then time progresses, we get the call. And actually, I remember um, in one of my classes, I asked one of my teachers, I was like, so what are we going to do? It was an AP class. I was like, what are we going to do if we get shut down? Also, because um, some local schools were starting to close for a couple of weeks, a couple of days, whatnot. And they were like, well, it probably won't happen to us. And then <laughs> lo and behold, it does. And yeah, that's that's what I remember. Pretty so much. the moral of the story is never trust your AP te teacher, right? I think that's... yes. That, that, that was the point I was trying to make all along. <laughs> so, so how did it work then once, once school did close down, did you like immediately switch into remote learning? Were there a bunch of, was there just like a bunch of downtime? Uh, yeah, a lot of downtime. Definitely. I think the teachers learning how to like get a hold of how to maneuver Schoology, which is the online schooling platform that we use all the time now. And also Zoom, it was really difficult, like a big learning curve, I think, because a lot of my teachers, you know, not totally young. And so technology innately was just some foreign thing that they're like, I don't need that. And now you do. Now it's the only thing you have. And so, yeah, there was a lot of downtime to begin with. Um, but shout out to Mr. Durkin. He did really, really well with that. Like soon couple days after we were closed, it was like assignments, assignments, videos, videos. And it was great. It like worked out so well. But yeah, like once it started picking up like a couple weeks into, I say April, it was like, all right, now I have regular, regular uh, assignments that are due. For most of my courses, it was pretty much like you're sort of on your own. It wasn't much instruction, I, I have to say. Do you feel like that most students are, you know, taking this pretty seriously. Have you, you know, are you aware of like students still holding like parties and get togethers and whatnot these days, you know, throughout the year? 
Yeah, um, like some kids do, but if if they do, it's like a gathering, like a small gathering of just like close friends. Um, and I've went to a couple of those, and those are nice, just because I mean we're social, we're social animals. We we need that. And uh, what's also nice about that is they're kids from your school, so if they were to have symptoms or have COVID, it like you would know about it, and then obviously you wouldn't go to their house, and they probably wouldn't be hosting anybody. Do you feel like your classmates are worried about the pandemic? What's the general consensus, like the the yeah. vibe that you get from the students in terms of how they feel about it? I think that they do take it seriously, but also living in such a small community, there aren't many opportunities that would pose them with the temptation to like not take it seriously. Say you live in the city and, you know, there's, gatherings at every other block and whatever and there's restaurants litter across your whole neighborhood that's so much more temptation and all your buddies are going out but here there there's none of that so it's like yeah you could like go for a hike and then that's you could be really safe and it'll probably just be like one one of your friends that was doing that so no temptation really so I do believe that they take it seriously um but I don't know. I'm not sure that they, if there wasn't like the authorities telling them or their parents telling them like, no, you can't go out. You have to wear a mask. Uh, I question whether or not they would take it as seriously as they Mm. do now, you know, but I guess just naturally teenagers, a little bit anti-authority like that. So just all part of it. Yeah. So Sullivan West has a, a hybrid learning model right learning. now where right. you're you're in school two days a week, the rest of the week, you're doing stuff from home. Yeah. How is that going for you? Um, I think it's going well. I sort of like my parents are always like, well, this is going to be how it is uh, during college. You know, you're going to have some classes for two or three days of the week. And then the rest of the time, like that's on you. And I think it's really forced me to be a lot more disciplined in like what I allocate my time to. And it's also made me evaluate what I would typically like lend my time to. And I'm like, is this, is this really important? Or like, how is this really going to benefit me? And how can I be smarter um, about the way I focus or the way I study or whatever I do? So in that sense, I think it's really almost transformed me. Because, I mean, a lack of structure sort of shows you what your true character is and how motivated you really are. And when you have six days off and you only have a couple of assignments, it's very so easy. And I definitely succumb to this many times. Um, trying to get better at it, though, to just say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And then, you know, it comes the day before school and then the hour before you have to go to sleep. And you're like, I didn't do it. And then you do it. And it's like, I don't know if it if it's like giving you more opportunities to procrastinate or if it's giving you more opportunities to get rid of your procrastination. So with that part, I definitely struggle with. And I think I speak on behalf of, I guess, most people with that issue. Do you miss being in school five days a week? Sometimes I do. and. But when I wake up on a Monday morning at like nine in nine in the morning instead of 6 a.m., it, it's really nice. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I don't know if I do miss it. But seeing everybody, I mean, seeing the life that goes on within school, it, I mean, you can't really replace that. And you do start to miss it, even if there were many flaws about it when uh, things were normal. Even if you said you, you hate it, you hate it. Because that was me. Like, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I was like, oh my God, like a month off, three months off. This is, this is the, like my dream come true. <laughs> and then it hits and you're like, now I'm lonely. Now I'm bored. Now I have all these assignments and I want to go outside. And what is there to do outside? Nothing. Then you go back inside. It's like, yeah, there's a lot more things to think about when you have so much time off. And there's limited 
things. I mean, it's limited to begin with and then put quarantine on top of that. And then, oh my gosh, just yeah. like a ghost town. In the same vein, what do you miss most about the before times as it were? Probably just, I mean, not wearing a mask. Definitely that got a lot of mask me from that. That's math and act combined. (laughs) But yeah, and and just being able to sort of la di da, go into a store and you know be with your friends and just hang out without risking your life or like your grandma's life if you're going to visit her and she has other comorbidities and it's it's this strange feeling of guilt, even even though like. Like I've gone out to places, uh, like not many, but, and then I'll, I'll go and see my grandparents uh, a week later or whatever. And I just feel, you know, I, I don't want to hug them. I don't want to get too close. And they're very lovable people. And they always want to, you know, be close to their grandkids. And, and you just sort of feel like I would feel so guilty. I would feel terrible. And even though like they have not gotten sick from me, they haven't even gotten sick, thankfully you still feel this strange sense of guilt, even though nothing has happened yet. I think another part, what I miss most is, is um, school life, which I never thought I'd be saying because I'm always like, oh, I've outgrown high school. I'm ready. I'm ready to move on with my life. But no, in in all honesty, like I missed half of my junior year, missed prom, color wars, uh, missed this year's homecoming. and probably won't have color wars or prom, I'm suspecting. And and it's just like the energy when you're, I don't know, just laughing with your friends in the hallway or or like getting into a, a, a lesson like with some cool teacher you have. That I definitely miss. And I think this year, especially because I have some great teachers. So I really wish I had more time to absorb all the information and just like uh, have conversation because we only have 36 minutes and to get through all of this material, I don't even want to ask questions, which is like huge part of how I learn. Like my hands always up and I, I don't want to do that because I know we're really this very time sensitive and you can only go so deep into the material without the bell ringing. And then you don't see the the teacher for another six days. And, I get um, that. Is there anything else that you want to add about, your, you know, experience of living through the last year of pandemicness um, yeah. as a young person living in in Sullivan County. Yeah, um, I think for me, it it is shown it is given me time. Like I don't I don't have social media anymore, and I decided to get rid of all that. Uh, I think it was September. So it was, you know, just about the time for school and COVID school. So you don't see many people. And I don't, I think I was willing to, I guess, be more isolated um, in exchange for more time to, I guess, expand the way I saw little old Jeffersonville, which is where I live. And I, I wanted to change my perspective because I'd always viewed my town as, you know, small dairy farm town and not much here, not much going, but I didn't like that, that outlook. I thought it was extremely negative and I didn't want to leave a place feeling that way. I wanted to leave it happily saying, you've given me all that you could and I've returned the favor as much as I could. And, but now our time, you know, has come to an end and I must move on and, you know, those cliches. But um, I think, yeah, having had to endure isolation in a very isolated town really allows you time to get to know yourself in a very unique way. Because, I mean, if I was going to school five days a week and I had sports and pit band and pep band, whatever band, you don't have time for yourself. And then when you do get free time, I don't know, I would always be out with friends or doing something with my family. It's never like, hmm, let me just sit and be perspective for a couple hours. And now I'll just like sit outside and think, just think for like hours and just write. 
and I've gotten into new projects and trying to see where my other talents and abilities and interests lie. And I think being in a small community like this, where there isn't much going on to begin with, it has really allowed me that time that prior to COVID, I I would never think I would want to engage in something reflective like that. And I, I, yeah, like I said before, it's like a transformative experience. Like I'm sure it is for so many other people. I think it's so interesting that you got rid of social media. I feel like a lot of young people, we kind of flocked more to things like social media during a time when we can't go hang out with our friends in person. So I'm curious what precipitated that that decision if you if you don't yeah no not at all I honestly love talking about it and um I think it it's such an interesting I guess like magnet of even humanity how like you said we all do we all have flocked to it once we were all isolated and I just felt that what I had going on there wasn't anything that was giving me very deep, I guess, satisfaction with myself. It always felt like my time was being detracted from, and I was just not focusing on what was truly gratifying to me. It was sort of, it led me to become, I don't know, more in the current, the general current of like adolescence, modern adolescence. And I I sort of wanted to take my own route a bit. I think that was one of the reasons and also is extremely distracting. Now my friends and I, we call all the time instead of like sending a Snapchat of your face. And it's like, so the connection is so much more authentic. And that's another thing that I was going for. But if I had Snapchat, you know, my friends would just be like, just send me a Snapchat. And I'd be like, well, I like want to hear your voice. You totally miss out on that now. Thank you so much to both of our local teachers and, of course, to Jessica Schwab for taking the time to chat this week. You know, you won't find Jessica on social media, but watch out for her. I have a feeling she's going to be taking the world by storm in the next few years. If you know any teachers, be sure to show them some socially distanced love for all they do for our community. I suspect they wouldn't mind finding some cookies at their doorstep one of these days. That's our show for today. We'll be back next week to take a look at another issue affecting folks here in the lovely Catskill Mountains. This is Close to Home. I'm Leif Johansson, and you are listening to WJFF Radio Catskill. See you next week.